Hey, good evening, monsters, and welcome to the show that made Philippine FM radio talk. That's heard on Thursdays on The Monster. I'm your host this evening, Nikki Porter. So tonight we're talking about perhaps the most popular four-letter word in the English language. And no, we're not talking about food, you guys, or, or porn. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about love, of course. So a lot of people seem to think that finding love is the most difficult part of their happily ever after journey. And that once they find their person, everything will just fall into place. The thing is, most people in relationships will tell you that it takes some work to get there. And it's totally normal to feel relationship anxiety and to experience self-doubt shame, loneliness, etc. Experiencing challenges in relationships is not a sign that your relationship is doomed. And tonight's guest will explain that further in a bit. Our guest tonight is relationship anxiety coach Sarah Yudkin. She is the founder of You Love and You Learn, an online community that consists of over 220,000 people on a journey to show up more intentionally in their relationships. Sarah is a passionate or Sarah is passionate rather about helping you feel content. And that means peacefully happy in your relationship and has helped over 750 people from 35 countries through online coaching courses and webinars. So without further ado, heard on Thursdays, that's welcome to the show. Relationship anxiety coach, Sarah Yudkin. Hey. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Hi, good evening, Sarah. And I and for all the monsters who who don't know, this this was a long time coming. This this episode was a long time coming. We kept rescheduling, and finally, it's happening. You guys, it's happening this evening or morning since Sarah's in the states. And so, welcome to the show, Sarah. So happy we can finally do this. <laughs> I know, me too. And thank you for your patience. I also just had an international move, and so there's just been a lot happening, like in life admin terms behind the scenes. So I really appreciate your flexibility. Oh, yeah, no problem. And this is something that uh, it's it kind of hits close to home for me. And so to to wait for for this conversation to happen was like no problem at all. And so you did mention that um, before we get into the to the whole relationship anxiety um, hole <laughs> this evening, um, you just moved back from the US. May I know like from where? I think it was in Europe, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. So yeah. my fiance and I, um, well, actually, when we first moved there, he was my boyfriend and then came back as a fiance. But I love that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we lived in Sweden for almost three years, which was very wow. cool. It was for his job. But luckily, um, it was a really great opportunity for me to kind of create this platform and this you know, type of place to connect with people. And I really didn't even have you love and you learn fully formulated when I got there. It was just kind of mm -hmm. a blog and it's, mm -hmm. it was an idea. And then now almost three layers, it's become something bigger than I could have imagined. So yeah, that's uh, pretty cool coming back and having a whole new path. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's so interesting too, because like I actually came back from a trip and I was in Sweden for, for a while too. So it was... Yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful. It really I took is. the train from like from Copenhagen. It was just amazing. Love oh my it. gosh! So I'm glad that you are you have finally moved. I'm sure there's still a lot of things for you to do, um, and so I hope that you get to sort that all out in time. Mm -hmm. um, so with regards to relationship anxiety, right? It's something. It's kind of a buzzword, anxiety. 
relationships too, sure. But in terms of like you put those two together, it's something that is not really that's sort of unheard of in a lot of communities, especially those who are in relationship. They probably think like that's just something that people like it's normal to have, but then to actually have a conversation surrounding that um, is a little or like to have a community who have some like with similar uh, experiences with it. It's something that is like not super popular. So in your opinion, though, like in the experience have you had with other with everyone who has showed interest in wanting to deal with relationship anxiety do you think that everyone displays varying degrees of relationship anxiety hmm it's a great question i feel like i don't want to say the answer is yes just because i feel like there really are just some people that based on the way they were raised and based on the way that they see the world they don't experience the type of relationship anxiety that I did. And let me just give a definition of what my experience was maybe to kick off this conversation for me, how that showed up was questions like, how do I know that I love him enough? Is he the one Uh, my parents got a divorce? So how do I prevent that from happening to me? And it felt like this constant kind of like questioning of like, am I making the right decision? What if I'm settling? Are we incompatible? And Mm -hmm. This was in like the healthiest, most loving relationship I had been in, but it felt like because there was a chance that this could actually work, I started having all these doubts and questions. So to go back to originally what you asked, I don't think everybody experiences the same thing, though the more people I start talking to, the more people that have their own unique like relationship challenges Not everybody, though, I think gets anxiety about the challenges they feel in their relationship. Some of them are like, Mm -hmm. oh, that's just part of life. Or, oh, yeah, Yeah. parents told me that that might happen. And so I kind of saw that modeled growing up. Whereas for me, I kind of always put relationships on this pedestal. I'm a big Mm rom-com person. I love like romance books and, you know, kind of like a hopeless romantic at heart, which I think is beautiful but it doesn't have the full picture as well of what also can come with relationships too. Yeah, definitely. I love that you mentioned like you grew up with thinking that relation, putting relationships on a pedestal, because I feel like I did the same too. Um, Growing up with not just, not just rom-coms, but even before that Disney fairy tales, right. And thinking like, Oh, it's like happily ever after I got to find that. And then maybe I'll be like happy or something, maybe not necessarily straightforwardly in that, thought process but it was something that I was looking for but then I it was something that I felt through the years of like you know dating uh dating men it was just kind of like how come it's not happening in the way that I pictured it to so uh, so for me also I feel like that's how my relationship anxiety manifested so um in so in relationship anxiety with you, it manifested in terms of questions. So are there but the, are there like other physical manifestations of it um, when you suddenly feel anxious in your otherwise pretty healthy relationship? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's kind of two potential anxiety cycles that often come up. One of them is our thoughts affecting our feelings or our sensations. So like mm-hmm. I have the thought pop up of, do I love him enough or should we really be together? And then there's Mm. like this physical sensation almost of like maybe your chest tightens or you get sweaty or your heart starts beating faster or maybe your throat clenches up. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. kind of has their own unique 
relational um, experiences when it comes to like how their body can react. And some people have maybe like stomach pain, whatever it is. So that's one way it happens. The other way it could happen would be that you start feeling those sensations and then your immediate thought jumps to, oh, well, this happened while I'm on a date with my partner. So that must mean that it's because of my partner or because of my relationship. Mm. So either kind of like those sensations and feelings can affect your thought patterns or the opposite. Your thought patterns can affect how you're feeling or what comes up for you physically. Mm, yeah. And for me, it is also um, how it manifests. I think it's always like the throat area. I'm always afraid to speak up. And it's just like it's which is so frustrating because it's like you you want to address something and you want yeah. some and, and you're hoping that this conversation would bring you to closer. But then you're just so afraid for me, like I'm so afraid. I'm so anxious of just yeah. like voicing it out to the point where I start to cry. And so mm -hmm. it, oh my gosh, it's just, yeah. and it's something that I'm still learning for sure, even until now. And so um, for those who have relationship anxiety monsters locally, if you guys are experiencing these manifestations with your partner, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just your, your body's telling you something, but not because there's something wrong. Yeah. in the relationship. <laughs> yeah. And if I can add to, you know, like one of the biggest reasons that this can come up is as a protective mechanism, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. there's a lot of fear when it comes to love. And that's the part of it that we don't really see in the rom-coms. I mean, we see like the, you know, there's one dramatic scene of like, oh my gosh, like, do they want to be with me too? Or like yeah. maybe <laughs> they broke up for a few days and then it's like the rainy scene where you're just like yeah, sad oh God, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that what doesn't often get fully communicated in these types of books or movies or whatever is the fears underneath love. Like, what if I get hurt? What if I hurt somebody else? What if the relationship ends and like I lose this person or will I lose myself and my own identity within this relationship? You know, the fear of the unknowns, there's a lot of fear. And so when we have these protective mechanisms, like crying or not wanting to say something because we're afraid of what could go wrong, there's usually something inside of us that's basically saying, I'm scared. Mm. And when we can realize like that little voice inside of us, that's like, I'm just scared. Like, can you kind of help walk me through this? It's like, okay, I have a little bit more compassion versus judging or blaming myself thinking that, oh, like I'm just doing something wrong when it comes to relationships. Yeah. Compassion like goes a long way. And that's something I've learned recently, like through my own journey too, because it's like, some even recently I was I was kind of berating myself like I could have spoken up like why couldn't you just say anything and then I had someone tell me oh I also had a coach tell me that yeah she told me it's like you gotta remember how to be kind to yourself okay this is this is something that you're still going through and still healing from and so don't if if you can't speak up then don't like talk yourself like don't beat yourself up for that and so, and so relationship anxiety isn't, I feel like it's not, yes, it is, it, it comes up in relationships, but also it's something that we all, we really have to work on, on ourselves because it's telling us something also yeah. about yeah. what needs to be uncovered from like maybe a wound or something from our childhood, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so um, for now that we've, 
talk a little bit about like how it manifests for you and for other people, how it shows up, how we how our thought processes can be like. If you were to define relationship anxiety, what how would you do that? Yeah, so I would say it's kind of like a doubt about moving forward in a relationship. And usually it feels urgent and it feels like you need to know right away. Um, I will say though, that there is another way that uh, relationship anxiety can manifest. And I don't know if either of us have experienced this in the same way. Maybe you can let me know, Nikki, in your experience, but um, there's also the type of doubt of like, does this person want to be with me? And does this person want to move forward? Or like, will they leave me? Will they cheat on me? Um, And so instead of the doubt of whether you want to move forward, it's almost like the doubt of if the other person is loving or appreciating you enough. And sometimes they can flip flop. Like you can, depending on how your partner is showing up in the relationship, sometimes you can switch. Yeah. But I think the the underlying theme is that there's some form of doubt coming up. Yeah. No, I I, I can relate with that for sure because um coming from a place and we'll talk a little bit about like attachment styles too. I have an anxious attachment style. <laughs> and for for me, I would flip the script in that sense where I would think like well, do they like me enough to want to stay and work things out too? Or like, I I try and put it in their point of view, which might, I mean, it's probably not healthy too, because like you're all, you have to focus on like, okay, like, well, what can you do now? But at the same time, it's like, sometimes you can't help yourself with those intrusive thoughts with like, you know, with doubting that they're interested enough in you or invested enough in you to want to actually make this work, to have that difficult conversation with you. So yeah, definitely I have had those thoughts in the past. (laughs) For sure. And I think it's so interesting because it can really be dependent on like how your partner is showing up. So let's say someone was playing hard to get, Mm -hmm. it might be easier to be like, oh, well, do they like me and do they want to be with me? But then suddenly they flip and they're really committed to you and they're all in then at that point when you're like, oh my gosh, I got exactly what I wanted, you can almost pull away and be like, ah, this is intimidating and it (laughs) feels too much. So I just think sometimes that's why we flip between the two. And that's usually a sign that like unintentionally, of course, we're kind of just relying a little bit too much on like the external factors and how we feel versus setting the tone for ourselves. Right. And yeah, so it's it's just really... It's a tricky thing. Like anxiety will show up, I think, for all attachment styles, I guess, in the way that and we'll just react according to our attachment style. Hopefully we learn how to be a little healthier in terms of um, like kind of dealing with those um, activations. But um, with regard to you, then, since uh, you have been with your fiance, his name is Nate, and he's also in like in her socials. Um, and so you guys have been together for around six years, if that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it'll be seven in December. So it's I love that. pretty crazy how it's like time really does fly. <laughs> <laughs> no, and you and, and this is the relationship where you've actually learned and you've actually really hunkered down and studied and learned about like relationship anxiety and how it shows up in your life. And so with your uh, with your relationship with Nate, when these relationship anxiety manifestations would sh- come up, how how would he react to them? 
Because I'm sure, I mean, it's a testament, right? For you to be together for almost seven years. Like, maybe to teach whoever's out there, like, how can we react to how it's a healthy reaction to someone who is displaying relationship anxiety? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm really, really grateful because Nate didn't take my anxiety personally. But I will give the disclaimer that, like, if he had done the same thing to me, I think I might have had a hard time not taking it personally. Mm. And so there's no such thing as a better level of like attachment or whatever. It's like, where I'm not trying to compare better, or worse, like secure is this amazing thing and anxious is not. But yeah. Nate does lean at least in our relationship a little bit more secure than I do. And I'm the one that has a little bit more of like the overthinking or kind of like the analytical side and trying to kind of get that certainty. So Again, he's not better and I'm not worse, but we are just different in how we show up. And so mm -hmm. when I was kind of bringing all of this confusion to him, which is kind of a funny story, like one day I just got so overwhelmed that I kind of was like, I don't know if I love you the same way anymore because it just oh, felt God. so overwhelming <laughs> to me. Yeah. And like, if he had said that to me again, I would have probably spiraled. But the way that mm. he took that was like, all right, like, let's like figure out a little bit where this is coming from. And I kind of shared, like, I keep comparing our relationship and, you know, I, I have all these expectations. And after I kind of shared a little bit more about why I was feeling that way, he was like, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, it sounds like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself and on the relationship. And he was able to just separate my tailspin from actually being related to him. It was just kind of like, yeah. I see why you've kind of worked this up into being such a scary thing and mm -hmm. he was really supportive of just like of course I really hope that like this works and like I want to stay together but if there's something that like is genuinely not working for you then I understand and in that moment by him being so supportive it made me just be like oh my gosh like what am I doing this is crazy <laughs> you know like I clearly am in such a healthy loving relationship I love him and care about him why am I in this place. So it made me, that was kind of the moment that made me turn internally and think this must be a me thing. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of what kicked off actually me starting you love and you learn in the first place is like, I need to figure this out because I yeah. don't want to mess this up. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love, I love how he was able to kind of see it from a, from a third person point of view, really like what's going on um with the, with the reaction that you suddenly had the overwhelm and like suit i mean i'm just it's a frustration right for many of us who are still searching for someone who can uh who can figure that out or is willing to figure that out but to be able to respond in a loving and caring way in an open way also just to see and be curious actually about your partner like asking where is this coming from instead of being suddenly defensive it's just it amazes me and i'm pretty sure whoever is listening who has probably not experienced this is amazed also <laughs> but, yeah, but it does amaze me too because and i again like i really admire that he was able to do that and i think he, we really complement each other well in that way and of course there's been times where he's brought like a situation to me and i'm able to be more steady and it's like i can mm -hmm. be very objective about maybe like a work problem he's having but like 
you know, relationships are so important to me. And so it's like, that's the thing I kind of get the most anxious over. Whereas maybe Mm -hmm. even though relationships are so important to him, it doesn't seem to get him as anxious, whereas maybe a work challenge might. And so we're able to do that for each other. But just for anyone listening um, on my blog, which is at youloveandyoulearn.com slash blog or dash blog, I forget which one it is, but you'll find it on my website. But I have a blog post called telling your partner about relationship anxiety. And it's for someone maybe who is having some doubt and they want to bring it to their partner, maybe in a little bit more of like a gentle, loving way versus me being like, I don't know if I love you anymore. Like I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) Um, And I kind of walk people through like how I would have done it differently if I had had more information. And anyone listening to this by nature has more information than I did when I was bringing this to Nate. And so if you explore like my website or whatever, and you feel like you understand a little bit more about it, you might be able to bring it to them in a way that already feels less personal to them, such as like, I'm going through this thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. due to my own fears about love and relationships. I just wanted to let you know about this in case it ever kind of affects how I'm showing up, but I really want our relationship to work. Something like that, that feels a Mm -hmm. little bit more gentle, a little bit more of like a collaboration versus just like dumping it on that person. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to, um, and I also want to highlight because I just thought about this too, um, while you were talking, I, um, like, in, in relation to like uh, we we mentioned attachment styles a little bit um, today tonight and um, I am like something I've learned recently like I'm secure in pre- I took a, I took a test online and then it showed like in this graph that I was secure in every other aspect of my life it's only relationships where I am actually anxious in which mm-hmm. is super fascinating because it's like. And maybe it's an eye opener for for those who are thinking like, well, I'm okay with every other part in my life. How come it's just relationships that I'm and I don't seem to be good at? It's it's a totally normal thing if relationships are what make you anxious more than anything else in your life. Because I feel like, well, I mean, you're dealing with another person and relationships mirror, um, you know, each other's like, you know, um, what do you call this? Not flaws, but then our, our, our wounds or anything like that. And so yeah. it is no, like, it's no surprise that it's one of the hardest things. It's And it's very nuanced also in every relationship. So, um, so in your, in your case, like, do you think that you're also like you're secure in other areas? And then it was just like in relationships that you had the most anxiety on. I would say yes and no. So I've noticed that with my business over the last three years, I definitely, I would say in my relationship and my business and probably other areas of life, I definitely have phases where I'm feeling very confident. I'm feeling very empowered. I'm like, I am the creator of my life. Like I'm going (laughs) to go make something and I'll make it happen and all of that. And then with many areas of my life, relationships and career included, I will have slumps where I notice myself getting into kind of the victim mentality of this is so hard. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, relationships can be so scary or like running your own business is so complicated. It's like, I really have, which is 
those things are true, but they're not necessarily helpful when I'm, you know, trying to move forward. So it's okay to let yourself like have those moments. But Mm -hmm. for me, it doesn't really make me feel empowered, or it doesn't make me feel excited to stay in that place of fear and to stay in that place of this is so hard. It doesn't Mm -hmm. inspire me to go take action. And so when I notice myself going into those slumps, whether it's in my relationship or career, this is obviously more focused on relationships. So I'll give some a tip for relationships specifically for anyone listening is like, if you notice yourself kind of stuck in this, like, oh, it's hard, like things aren't going anywhere. Like, what can I do? I just take small actions, like one small thing at a time. What's one way I can reconnect with Nate right now? What's one way I can love myself in this moment or like practice gratitude for the relationship, like something super small and then just keep repeating small tangible actions instead of looking at the whole road ahead because that can be really intimidating for people with anxiety especially like oh how am I going to feel with Nate in 20 years it's like oh my gosh I don't know how about how I just like call him right now and say I'm thinking about you and I miss you whatever (laughs) yeah for sure I mean and a lot of us also especially if you're new in a relationship right you start to kind of ruminate on like okay well what's gonna happen like maybe in six months or something like that like we start to really think about like we can do this and that in in the next weeks or something but it kind of uh it it takes us away from the present moment right and so it just helps it doesn't help us like be grateful in that present moment with our partner and just like what we can do right now in that with our partner too so um and i think it's just and which 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 is something a lot of us with anxiety we we tend to do now um uh there was a question that i had with regard to like um what do you call this you're like okay hold on <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit no worries. um what would you then suggest right um if we were to shift our mindset from being too anxious with a partner like grounding ourselves in with where we are with our partner, what are some of the steps in the right direction? Because it's, yes, we can challenge the beliefs that we have, but then also there are some like more physical, like meditative steps that we can do breathing also, right? So could you share a little bit more on how we can ground ourselves or regulate ourselves whenever we feel like we're triggered with our relationship anxiety? Yeah, for sure. So some of the things that I like to make sure my clients are practicing are really the simplest things. And you might hear them and be like, oh, like this is this sounds too easy. But I want to give people things that are available to them at any moment. And the two (laughs) things that we can literally do at any moment is using our breath or using our five senses. So when we are taking slow, deep breaths, whether it's box breathing, whether it's in for four seconds, out for seven seconds to kind of like slow down your breath patterns, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's literally taking a breath work guided video, whatever it is, if you can really focus not on trying to solve anything at that moment, not trying to fix Mm -hmm. anything, but just trying to connect back to your body and find some level of safety, that's really important because unless you are getting chased by like someone in the street you are almost always physically safe, but your anxiety is trying to tell you that you're not safe. So obviously this doesn't apply to abuse or if you're actually in danger, but Mm -hmm. if you are like actually safe in that moment, then breathing until you remind yourself like, okay, I'm in, I'm sitting in this chair. 
around me is like a fuzzy green carpet. I'm touching my white soft shirt right now. Like I am sitting in this space and that can be the way we use our five senses. So what do you see around you? What do you hear around you? What do you taste? What do you smell? Bringing yourself through that exercise until you feel like you are in the moment where you really are. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of some of the most basic things that I, you know, share, but also I've been lately practicing yoga nidra videos, which I don't know if you've ever tried, but it's like a guided meditation, not like an actual yoga exercise, mm-hmm. but those are really helpful for me. They call them almost like a nervous system reset. So mm, nice. those are really great. And there's a lot of great um, YouTubes with that. So I think like really starting by focusing on how can you get grounded um, and really just like using tools that you have at the ready. Some things that also work well are like cold water, like running cold water on your wrist, or if you have even like really, really cold water, like splashing it on your face or somewhere on your body to like really yeah. again, just connect back to the moment. Um, but then when it comes to actually taking steps towards nurturing a relationship, What I like to tell people is instead of focusing on the thing you're afraid of, focus on the thing that you want to create. So instead of being like, I'm afraid of getting divorced, let me make sure that like I avoid that. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can you focus on creating a long, healthy relationship? What specific actions are involved in that for you? Does that mean verbal appreciation every day? Does that mean doing acts of service for your partner? Does that mean um, getting them small, thoughtful, little presents? Does that mean like physical touch, like hugging or snuggling, like whatever it is, but you can't control the future. You can only influence the future by the steps you take in the moment. So I think taking care of your own side of the street, but then also still making sure you're pouring into the relationship that you want to create. Mm, Yeah. And it's uh, well, also, and like kind of loving the person in the way that they want to be loved, also, and like how we can show up for them and how you want them to show up for you as well. I mean, that would be that's a desired outcome of how you know when you want to bring these things up. Now, in terms of um, let's say you want to like you want you're in a relationship and then you can't help but think about like. The desired outcome right it's like you're you're thinking down the line and you're thinking maybe months or years ahead how do you just let go of that outcome because a lot of like there's a lot of material out there that says like let go of the outcome and that's like because but it's hard to do as someone who has anxiety all the more so relationship anxiety so what can we do so that we can relax a little bit <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think the two things I just talked about are really important pieces of it. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to like diminish those of like connecting back to yourself and then kind of taking present moment actions towards the outcome you want to create. But I think it's also worth reflecting on like, you know, obviously the outcome that we would all want is like to live happily ever after. And that's like, I understand why people have that thought and I do too. But if you kind of only are living under like the I'll be happy when mentality of like when I reach this outcome, I'll be happy. It's like you're robbing yourself of the chance to enjoy the process as cheesy as that sounds. And so I would ask people to reflect on their why, like why do you want a relationship? Why do you want the desired outcome you're looking for? Is it to feel happy? Is it to feel more joy? Is it to feel more safe? Like what is the thing that you think the outcome of, what you're looking for is going to give you 
And how can you practice giving it to yourself or like collaborating with your partner to make that part of your life now? Because for example, uh, Nate and I got engaged this year. And if I'm just like, oh, I can't wait for the wedding to be over so that I can like be happy. It's like, that doesn't make sense. Why can't I just have happy moments with him right now? Or I can't wait until one day we move into a big house. It's like, okay, well, how can I make my little house right now have more moments of like enjoyment? So I just think instead of trying to get rid of the outcome altogether, trying to bring some of the feelings that you're trying to create from the outcome into your present. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense because it's always, because I mean, there's so, it's, there's something good to be said about looking forward to something in the future, but yeah. for you to wait to feel a particular emotion or feeling, which is somewhere far in the future, it kind of like, it kind of, like it kind of leaves you stuck in that in the present moment like okay well so what am i supposed to feel now at this given time so yeah definitely and that's such a good point and for all the monsters who are listening probably try and try and figure out why then like what sarah said (laughs) figure out why and then how um what's this try and create that feeling instead of waiting for it into the present moment with the partner that you have now um so now we're also going to be talking about like um, attachment styles and like it's normal, right? For it's normal for anxious, avoidant, and and secure attachers, or even like fearful avoidant, um, to have um, relationship anxiety. But like, um, what do you call this? Is it something? Is it something that is just like solely? pretty much answered my own question basically <laughs> no no well i mean it's more likely for you to have relationship anxiety if you have an anxious attachment but where from what you've studied or what you've also learned in the courses that you've taken how does the anxious attachment attachment manifest and then later on develop into relationship anxiety then hmm, yeah so my understanding of the attachment styles and how they manifest is that, and this is a very simplified level. I think that sometimes when it comes to attachment theory stuff, it's like we kind of have these oversimplified, um, you know, sayings or phrases around them. But if anyone ever wants to explore attachment and get more insight, uh, there's a great resource, a peer and friend of mine, Stephanie Rigg, who hosts on attachment. Um, She has a beautiful podcast with a lot of much deeper nuances about it. And actually, she was a guest on my podcast, You Love and You Learn podcast as well. So if you want to like really dive deep into attachment styles, I recommend her work just because she's done a much deeper dive into this. Mm -hmm. But at a baseline level, anxious attachment is the question of you know, I need to be as close to you as possible in order to feel safe. And so when there's any distance created in a relationship, especially if someone feels like their partner is distancing, mm-hmm. that's when they'll get anxiety of like, does this person want to be with me? Or like, are they okay? Like, did they die? If I don't hear back from them in like two hours, <laughs> you know, like in a more extreme sense, but like, are we okay? And needing to kind of feel constantly checked in with or, or feel like they're getting safety because of the attention and support that they're receiving from their partner. So that's the attach or the anxious attachment kind of 
um, generalized version. Yeah. The yeah. more avoidant side of things is a little bit what I was experiencing, which is like when I feel my space is getting encroached on or like when I feel like things are getting too connected and too vulnerable, my instinct is to pull away. And I analyze like, is this person actually good enough for me? Um, oh. Do I want to be with them? Like, I don't know if I can move forward. Um, but then what I was talking about earlier is kind of the fearful avoidant is kind of where you flip flop. So if your partner is like, giving you all the attention, you might be like, "Ugh, like they're annoying me, I need space. But if they're taking a lot of space, you might want to move closer to them. And now, not all of this is only related to like our attachment styles. I think some of this is just like human nature as well. So right. someone yeah. who's secure would be feeling the same if like they were getting smothered, or if they were getting, you know, no attention from their partner, they might have the same reaction. So mm-hmm. I don't want people listening to feel like, oh, like my attachment style is stuck in stone or like I can't do anything to change it mm-hmm. or I have something wrong with me for it. Um, but that's kind of, again, like the generalized way that I see attachment showing up um, at a high level. Yeah. And so which means it's just like, you know, it all manifests like relationship anxiety just manifests differently, um, depending not just in like what you mentioned, not just in attachment styles, but also with whoever it is that you're with, like, you know, with the behavior that they display or the attraction or the what do you call this commitment that you perceive from them also. And so, one thing I'll add too is just that what I think is really beautiful to remember is that underneath both the avoidant tendencies and the anxious tendencies is a desire for safety. Yeah. So just remembering that like, even though kind of on social media, you may hear people saying things like negative about like, if someone's avoidant, like yeah. run in the opposite direction, or like if someone's anxious, like they're clingy, it's like, no, both of them have their own coping mechanisms for feeling intimidated right. or scared by something that's happening. And so bringing that back to the compassionate lens that we talked about earlier, like how can I not only have compassion for my own patterns, but for the patterns of the person that is in front of me? Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that too, because it's like, um, they do have a common, uh, they do crave safety. It just shows up very differently in how they want to achieve that. But also, um, they are also, they are also the, the same people that like, they draw each other in each other's spheres because they kind of get supplement and they kind of complement each other. But then at the same time, when triggered or when activated, that's when you realize like, okay, that's when you have to be more curious and compassionate about like, okay, they're reacting this way, but why? Like, is it really about me or is it something that they they are dealing with at the moment? So it's just um, try to be more understanding, I guess, monsters. If you feel like you are in an anxious, avoidant kind of um, relationship too. <laughs> Totally. And I would say abuse aside, like almost everything that we react to is actually about ourselves. It's like almost about the other person. So like, that's really great because you can remember like nothing's personal when something, it happens towards you. It's like, oh, it wasn't personal, but you also have to remember that like, it wasn't personal to like, um, however you're showing up, like it wasn't about the other person, it was more about you. So it goes both ways. Like you have to remember, like your behaviors are not as a response to someone else. You are the one in kind of control over those things. Even if someone's behavior, of course, 
um, inspires you to react. Like, let me give an example of what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. He slams the door and I feel angry. Mm. Like it wasn't Nate slamming the door that made me angry. Nate slammed a door and I responded to that mm. with anger. So I think sometimes we put a lot of responsibility onto our partner of like, well, they did this to me. It's like, no, they did an action and then something came up within you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't feel angry about the door getting slammed, but it's like, how do I want to respond to this anger? Do I want to make it even bigger and like really get angry and start yelling and screaming? Or do I want to be like, hmm, okay, like that wasn't great, but how am I going to react to this so that I'm not making his actions something that like I need to jump right in and do something about. So it's easier said than done, but that's kind of what yeah. I mean is like taking full ownership of how we are showing up versus trying to kind of label others as being at fault. Yeah, definitely. And I, it's, it's, it's also important uh, when you mentioned that, you know, people's behaviors or how people treat you has less to do often has less to do about you than it does about them and what they're going through. Yeah. And that's something I also learned very recently. And it's, it's really like to have that clarity. It's, it's somewhat it's somewhat refreshing but at the same time it's like again that that feeling of compassion that that to, to that develops your compassionate muscle to um for you to to not react like or to just understand where that person is coming from as well so in terms of like um in terms of okay conflict right so we're we're sort of heading into that now um is there a way especially for okay relationship anxiety right if you're very anxious there's a plethora of problems that can come up in a relationship and every problem might potentially look like a breakup to you like if that's how it's going to end up being so is there a way for those who are anxious about the relationships to categorize you know different problems so they don't immediately resort to catastrophizing the catastrophizing um <laughs> 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 Yeah, so I think backing up a little bit before we like categorize it would be also just to have people redefine what conflict means to them. Mm -hmm. Because I think that whether we saw a lot of conflict growing up or whether we didn't see any conflict, there can be a narrative about what conflict means. So like right. having conflict means that you shouldn't be together. It's like if you think that, then of course any sign of conflict is going to be like a red alert. Like, oh my gosh, like we can't be together anymore. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage people or invite people just to like sit with their definition of conflict. Like, do you have a very negative label on it? Do you have it as a sign of like, oh, we can come to a shared understanding when we can resolve this conflict together? Like, do you think of it as a way to strengthen the relationship when done in a kind way? Like, how is your relationship to conflict? Because that's a really big piece of this puzzle. Mm -hmm. And then Secondly, when it comes to like categories of conflict, I don't know if I would categorize the type of conflict per se, but I would categorize something that's either a deal breaker versus something that's not. Mm -hmm. And that would be the, the framing that I'm giving people to think about. So I have a webinar called, is it anxiety or incompatibility? And mm -hmm. I walk through this framework where I share that if 
you are having conflict or if there is an incompatibility potentially regarded to your life values, like what's really meaningful to you and how you show up, your lifestyle or like how you envision your life playing out Mm -hmm. or your boundaries. And if those things are incompatible and there's not a willingness to accept or respect the differences, that's probably going to lead to a lot of conflict Mm-hmm. And you're going to be sac- one person's going to be sacrificing something for the other. If you are sacrificing your boundaries, your values, or like the way that you envision your life looking, right? Right. So, if there's like major things in those categories that you're having conflict about, and you're coming to an impasse where it's like, I don't see how we can actually navigate this because it's not just about how we're talking about it. It's like the core of what we're talking about feels very conflicting then that's worth paying attention to. Whereas things like your partner's personality differences or irritations, like things that bother you or just like inconveniences, those things are often what we're fighting over. And those can like lead to a huge blow up when it's like, no, there's going to be personality differences or irritations or um, inconveniences with pretty much any person. Now, of course, if the personality difference applies into like the values or the boundaries of the lifestyle, like whatever it is, you can kind of, that's a different story. But just someone yeah. seeing the world differently than you isn't automatically a sign you can't be with them. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I would almost reframe the question as like, instead of just what type of conflict is bad, it would be like, what are you having conflict about? Mm. Um, that is important to start with. And then of course, making sure that you and your partner are both taking steps to like regulate and, and try to have conflict, like fighting fair instead of feeling like there's cyclical patterns that keep coming up where you're hurting each other. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, fighting fair. How would that look like? Yeah. So a big piece of this is knowing when to take a pause. Cause I think a lot of times what we end up doing is like we keep pushing And then we're trying to find a resolution because that might feel safer, but that actually can end up escalating things. And so knowing when you or your partner seem like you're kind of going in circles, that's a big piece of this. And then, I mean, you kind of said it earlier, like when you treat others how you want to be treated, like the same would apply to conflict. Just because you're having a disagreement doesn't mean that you need to like throw shade at this person or like, you know, criticize them or like attack their character. I think trying as best as possible, even if you're seeing something differently to be like, here's my interpretation. Can Mm -hmm. I hear yours? Like having a discussion and trying to sit on the proverbial same side of the table against the challenge versus Mm -hmm. like butting against each other and having it be like a war of you versus them. Yeah. No, and that's something that people can tend to overlook because well, I get it depends on like their their how the way that they see things because it's like um you the, the point being it's like and I've and I've read about this too, like you know, it's it's not it, when you are looking to win in an argument, then you both lose. Like that's yes. the that's the thing. So exactly um, just just like a little uh note for for monsters who who have trouble navigating um you know their fighting styles or like you know just you know trying to figure out how to fight fair yeah (laughs) and a great resource like i've really learned a lot from the gottman institute Mm, and they have like 40 plus years of research on things and they have a repair checklist that they call it and like they talk about steps to repair a lot 
And I think that's a really important part of conflict and fighting fair is always repairing, even if you can't do it right away. And even if you still have to have like a few conversations to feel like you've really repaired something, mm-hmm. but getting to a place where both you and your partner feel a sense of like, ah, oh, okay. Like we actually made some progress here. And like, I feel okay about this versus letting something linger and feel like it's just constantly like underneath the surface of the relationship waiting to come up later. Yeah. Yeah. And so hopefully, well, okay, no. Okay. So let, let's jump now into that, um, to that conversation. Let's say maybe it's not necessarily a conflict. Maybe it's trying to inform your partner about your boundaries or even your needs, uh, so that you, uh, so that, you know, it could be so that you don't build any resentment with them. Right. Mm -hmm. How, um, how can we approach this in a, more in a loving way so that we don't like nag our partners about it. Hmm. Yeah. So I keep mentioning a lot of resources, but like, I've just learned so much in the last few years about relationships. So I feel like (laughs) I like to share these types of things, but I wrote a blog post kind of summarizing what I learned in this book, but there's a really great book called nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And it essentially talks about how we can you know, share a need or a request of our partner in a much more, I guess, like neutral way, like without as much emotion behind it. And so starting off with like an observation of like, I've noticed that this thing is happening in our relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, here's the interpretation that I have of that event happening. Um, There's a request I would like to make to have it be done slightly differently, would you be willing to consider this or would you be willing to do that? So an example would be like, I noticed that on Thursday nights, our dishes are full in the sink. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel a little bit um, anxious about having a cluttered kitchen space and it affects like my how I show up. And Mm -hmm. again, like that, it doesn't have to be like attacking them, but like, this is how I feel when I noticed that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was thinking maybe we could switch off days of doing dishes. Would you be willing to split the dishes with me or something like that? You know, and Mm -hmm. then a dish is very different than like, oh, I noticed that I don't feel loved and supported by you in this moment. Like Uh it it is different. So I don't want to undermine like those serious conversations that can happen, Mm -hmm. but coming at it from this is how I feel. This is my observation. The story I'm telling myself is this. Mm -hmm. I would love to get your thoughts instead of like you do this and that's causing me to do this, which is very blaming Mm -hmm. and very much like taking the ownership off of you and putting it onto your partner. Yeah, definitely. So hopefully it's, it's something that could help, um, but I mean, for those who want to, okay, setting boundaries is something that we, a lot of us have just learned literally mm-hmm. like maybe a couple of years ago, even like in our adult lives, that's the only time a lot of people still don't know or aren't aware that they are allowed to set boundaries too. So um, to the untrained ear, it can sound like, well, like, like they're going to be like on, on the defense and be like, where well where is this coming from like I, I'm I'm doing my my part and so and so and then it could 
blow up into something even bigger. But what is really, for those who are maybe not familiar with setting boundaries, addressing needs in a relationship, what is really being said, Sarah, in term, when, when, mm-hmm. when people want to address their boundaries, their needs in the relationship? So it's being spoken between the lines. Yeah. Well, I think needs and boundaries are slightly different. So I'm going to speak to the boundaries piece first and then see if you want to go into the needs. But with boundaries, one key thing I think that sometimes gets overlooked is that the boundary isn't telling someone else what to do. It's telling them what you're going to do if their behavior continues. And that's a very important distinction because you can't control someone else's behavior, but you can control your own. So an example would be like, if you keep asking me about my wedding plans, I'm going to stop the conversation. That's Mm. like what you can control versus stop asking me about my wedding plans because then that definitely would make the other person defensive. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you set a boundary of like, I'm protecting myself versus I'm doing something against you, then there may still be some defensiveness, but at least it's like, I'm just telling you what I'm going to do in response to your behavior. So that's mm. the thing with boundaries. And then the hard part about boundaries is actually sticking to them. So setting yes. a boundary, yes, can be really scary, but then sticking to the boundary, that's the important piece. So that's what I would say about boundaries. Whereas like the needs is kind of a little bit more of what I was just saying of like, here's what I'm noticing is coming up and mm, okay. here's how I would like to, you know, okay. get the need met. Are you willing to do that? And if someone's unwilling to meet your need, like that speaks volumes. Um, and paying attention if someone's like, oh no, like I, I won't even try that. Like that's worth noting. But a lot of times you might have to have the conversation many times because someone may be more than willing, but they just need to like learn how to show up for you in that way. So again, with the anxiety piece, not writing someone off if they're like really willing and they're doing their best, but still knowing your worth and knowing that like sometimes someone can be willing, but maybe they're just not able to meet that need for you and kind of deciding from there, like, is this something that is really important to me? Or is it just something that like, I don't need only from my partner, but maybe from also community and family and friends. Right. Yeah. I mean, because, and that's a good piece to mention for sure, because it's like romantic relationships aren't the only relationships that we have in our lives too. So if there is some way that we can supplement that need in other areas of our lives, then by all means, it might, it doesn't have to be a deal breaker, I guess, in your relationship when you can have that fulfilled um, in, in your other relationships. So, yeah. And then, um, we're nearing the end of the show actually, but I did want to dive a little bit into, um, like how we, how we mentioned before and we keep mentioning, and you also mentioned in your, (laughs) in you love and you learn that relationships are very nuanced. It's like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not a one size fits all. However, there are still, you know, um, there, there is still material online that reflect, different you know different lines and sayings that you know not aren't necessarily true and sometimes for me i have a hard time kind of like do i agree with this do i disagree with this for example the if he wanted to he would Mm. so yeah so like if that's just one of the many examples like if you know you know it's like if you like it has to be 
relationship, like meeting, meeting my husband was easy. Like after mm -hmm. that, was it has to be easy or something. Mm -hmm. So but just focusing on the one, like maybe if he wanted to, he would, or if they wanted to, they would, let's just make it, uh, mm -hmm. let's just make it uniform. Um, mm -hmm. What is your take on at least this one line? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you brought this in. So I think most statements that are out there, there's definitely like some truth to it, but then there's just a lot of nuance and context missing. So like, for example, with the, if they wanted to, they would one, like the way that I think of this now as a coach and like, as someone who's trying to understand things that are situational is like, okay, if someone is like asking for the bare minimum, like if they wanted to just like simply text you back, they would. It's like, okay, yeah, I understand. Like if they wanted to like show you that they care, they would. Like I can understand where that's coming from, mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm not saying that you should just have someone where they like, they don't even respond to your messages. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like at a baseline level, I think that there's truth to those statements. And I think some of those statements have been created because for some people they are helpful. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, if you're saying if they wanted to, they would give me roses every day. It's like, okay, like that's where you lost me a little bit because I feel like it doesn't mean that your relationship is worse off just because somebody else's relationship has things that are happening that may look different to yours. So mm. I think there's like levels to it. Um, like when you know, you know, I'll just say as well. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a better way of saying that might be like when they were confident, they were confident. It's like, you don't actually know anything, but like, okay, sure. <laughs> like some people do want to feel a level of security that they chose a person that they can move forward with. So it's like, right. if you asked me now, seven years in, like, do you know you want to be with Nate? Like I would say yes. But that used to trigger me because I was looking for a very specific feeling when it came to knowing, like, I'm 100% certain we'll last forever, you know? So, like, the phrases in and of themselves are not bad or wrong. I just think that with that whole one-size-fits-all approach, they assume that they apply to everybody in mm -hmm. the same way with every situation, which is, like, no, there's different people that expect different things and show up differently with different personalities. So, I don't want to like completely knock on the phrases, but when they're shared just kind of haphazardly without any context, I think that's where it can be a little bit triggering sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, to uh, agree with like, you know, people rely on those lines so that it's kind of like it gives them something not necessarily to look forward to or even validate their way of thinking about a particular person, let's say. Because sometimes when you think about a particular line, they're already thinking about some one in their life who who probably um they can relate that to and so like for them it's it's justifiable like yeah if he wanted to then he would have like so they exactly. wanted something definitive so um aside from this though it's like uh and and thank you for for sharing your input also on on these one size fits all which isn't actually one size fits all mm -hmm. um when it comes to when it comes to okay, social media and relationship anxiety, you're with someone in a relationship, and uh, this is also another thing that's very viral on on like Instagram or on TikTok, like liking the opposite gender's posts if it's like a thirst trap or something like that. Is it like um, is I mean like what is your 
take on this because it's mostly it's always directed to like bikini pics towards like in the guy's gaze and then um for women it's like i don't know the guy chopping wood you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like, so like what is what is your take on this is it okay to to like you know these thirst trappy posts i guess or is there a line that you or is there a line that you we shouldn't cross if we are in a relationship Mm, yeah well the answer is going to be like a little bit um boring because it's like it kind of depends on your boundaries you know um Mm -hmm. like I don't want to give people a boundary that doesn't really feel true for them but for me I think that I love what you brought up actually and I don't often hear this talked about it's like I feel like I get asked a lot of questions about men liking bikini pictures but then like you don't really ever hear people asking about the opposite of like a woman is liking Chris Hemsworth's like surf picture or something, you know? And obviously like there can be all different genders, liking all sorts of pictures, whatever. But like, it's just funny because (laughs) like, I've definitely done that where I'm like, Ooh, like he looks nice. And I like, like it without even really thinking. Mm-hmm. And, but I know that I would probably feel irritated if I saw Nate like doing the same for other people. And so mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to have a conversation within your relationship of like, what do we feel comfortable with? And mm-hmm. then making sure it applies to all parties in the relationship yeah. as well. Um, but I think it's totally fair. Like if you set a boundary and like feeling like, Hey, if I keep seeing this, like, I don't think I can in this relationship like that's a fair thing to say which is like I don't feel comfortable with that if someone's unwilling or unable to make that change again you have to ask yourself like is that feeling helpful for you as far as like the type of person that you want to collaborate with in a partnership but as a whole I do think it's really hard because social media just has so much of that going around now yeah and so I do think like there's levels to it like if someone's constantly dming like models on Instagram and they're just like oh you look so hot it's like okay like I I just don't have time for that like especially if you're in a committed relationship Mm -hmm. but if you like accidentally like a photo every now and again and you genuinely are just like oops like I like literally didn't even think about it like it was just a tap of the finger like you have Mm -hmm. to kind of judge your partner's character is like that something they do all the time or like was it once and like they genuinely seemed like they just did it subconsciously yeah so I think, yeah, it's it's good to at least have that conversation because once again, I think it's kind of like a one size does not fit all kind of situation too. Because you, like you mentioned, it has something to do with your boundaries in the relationship. So monsters, if you are wondering if what's right and what's wrong in the situation, just have that conversation then with your partner yes. and see what happens and see what you agree on or disagree on also. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we end the show, kindly share your socials, your website also for those who are curious about wanting to maybe uh, flesh out more of their uh, relationship anxiety and how they can better deal with it in their relationships. Yeah, well, thanks so much uh, for this conversation. And if people want to find me, it's you love and you learn across all platforms. So my Instagram, you love and you learn. I'm on TikTok at you love and you learn. I'm on my website, you love and you learn.com. And then I um, earlier this year, I started my podcast, the you love and you learn podcast. So that's on my website on Spotify and on Apple. So um, really, those places are kind of like the best to stay in touch with me and you can find out more about what's going on usually on my social or my website. 
Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time uh, to talk to me this evening or this morning or afternoon now, <laughs> depending <laughs> where you are, um, about relationship anxiety and just shedding light on that and that it's not necessarily a deal breaker to have it in even in a healthy relationship. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, for all the monsters who are listening, you love and you learn that is a website to look for if you guys are curious about wanting to know more material on how to deal with your relationship anxiety. So that is it for Hurt on Thursdays. And catch me again next Thursday for another guest for now. Keep it locked only here on the monster. Bye bye.